It's time to roll up those joints, pack those bowls, and fire up those nails. Because you're listening to Blazin' with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio. Salutations of intoxication, my friends, and welcome to the triumphant return of Blazin'. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Black. We've got an amazing show for you today. It's my 50th episode, and to mark this major milestone, I am honored to be welcoming to the program my most esteemed guest yet, award-winning actor and counterculture icon, Mr. Peter Fonda. But before we get to that, I feel like I should address the elephant in the studio. Uh, I said triumphant return a moment ago because if you're a regular listener, you've no doubt noticed that this is the first new episode I've done in many months. It's been so long, in fact, that some of you may have been wondering if the show was coming back at all, as evidenced by some of the emails I've gotten from you. Uh, so I'll, I'd like to take a moment to apologize for my extended leave of absence and offer a brief explanation, if I may, because, well, I think you deserve to know why I haven't been putting out episodes. So last fall, I accepted the position of SoCal editor for Sensi Magazine. Uh, I was in charge of launching and running not one, but three new editions of their magazine, uh, Los Angeles, San Diego, and Orange County. It was a challenging task, to say the least, uh, and it consumed nearly all of my time, attention, and creative juices, but it was worth it. Uh, the first issues hit the streets in January, and I'd been running the magazines ever since. Uh, that is until uh, about two months ago when I stepped down as Sensi's editor and moved up to Cali's Central Coast area to accept a new position as Chief Operating Officer of Crockett Family Farms. For those of you who aren't familiar with the name, Crockett is one of the most respected and successful cannabis cultivators and breeders in the country, if not the world, and he's also a good friend of mine. So naturally, I'm super excited to be part of their team and looking forward to some really big things later this year, some big announcements, uh, lots of exciting stuff. So be sure and stay tuned for that. But beyond that, uh, accepting this position means that I'm going to have a lot fewer deadlines and a lot more downtime. So I'm hoping to begin releasing new episodes of Blazin on a regular basis again, uh, maybe one or two a month to start, and we'll see how it goes. So to all my listeners and fans, I want to say thank you for your emails, for your interest, for your support, and for your patience while I was going through these major personal and professional transitions, I do appreciate it, and I hope you keep listening. Okay, now that all of that's out of the way, let's get to the good stuff. As I mentioned, my guest today is a legendary actor, writer, and director who has appeared in over 70 films, including Roger Corman's Wild Angels and The Trip back in the 1960s, uh, more recently popular movies like The Cannonball Run, Escape from L.A., and Ghost Rider, uh, as well as the critically acclaimed Yuli's Gold, for which he won both the Golden Globe and New York Film Critics' Choice Awards for Best Actor. But of course, it was his groundbreaking role as the star-spangled biker Wyatt, a.k.a. Captain America, in the landmark 1969 film Easy Rider that established Peter Fonda as a true counterculture icon. 
hailed as the touchstone for a generation and voted top drug movie of all time by High Times Magazine in 1999. The film co-starred Jack Nicholson and Dennis Hopper, who also directed the movie, uh, and was conceived and co-written by Fonda himself, earning him an Oscar nomination for Best Screenplay. The film marked the first time that marijuana smoking was shown on film in a fair, non-propagandistic light and its underlying themes of personal freedom, individuality, and independence, as well as its implied indictments of ignorance, prejudice, and violence, resonate as powerfully today as they did 50 years ago when it was filmed. But Fonda didn't just portray counterculture figures on screen. He was one in real life. He was arrested as part of the infamous Sunset Strip riots of 1966, often regarded as the, quote, opening salvo of the 60s, in other words, the initial spark that lit the fires of America's protest culture. Fonda and his Easy Rider co-stars Hopper and Nicholson smoked real weed while filming the iconic campfire smoke scene. And the use of psychedelics shown in both The Trip and Easy Rider were based on real experience. Fonda had indeed tripped on acid. In fact, legend has it he actually tripped with none other than the Beatles themselves, which I will most definitely be asking him about. His latest film, Boundaries, which co-stars Academy Award winner Christopher Plummer, Vera Farmiga, Christopher Lloyd, and Bobby Cannavale, premieres today and opens in select cities on June 22nd. I'm incredibly honored to welcome to the show the legendary Mr. Peter Fonda. Mr. Fonda, thanks for blazing with us today. Mr. Fonda died in 82. You can call me Peter. <laughs> if I win one of those little gold guys, you can call me anything you want. All right, Peter. Um, well, this year is the 50th anniversary of the filming of the groundbreaking counterculture classic Easy Rider, uh, considered by many to be the quintessential cinematic encapsulation of the 1960s. Uh, you not only starred in the film, but also conceived and co-wrote it, uh, which yep. garnered you an Oscar nominated screenplay. Where did the initial inspiration for the film come from? Uh, I was sitting uh, in a motel in Toronto, Ontario, and... Um, I was signing uh, photographs. In those days, they didn't have stickies. It was, you know, something was clipped to them. And uh, there were photographs, a lot of them, uh, from Roger Corman's The Wild Angels. And I came across one photograph that I wondered who in marketing could have pulled this one. Because it was uh, an 8 by 10 And in the middle, at about two inches large, it was um, me and Bruce Dern riding them it looks like we were riding on the sand but you couldn't see who it was me i know the photograph uh but i'm we're totally in silhouettes you can't see who we are it looks like we're riding in the sand on my chopper and i thought wow this is wild and we're actually riding on, on this little path in venice this little cement path in the sand and maybe the, the cinematographer will remember the shot or the still man who took the photograph but I wondered who in marketing pulled this to add, you know, like uh, best wishes or a piece, Peter Fonda. They're going to look at that photograph and say, who, where? Because <laughs> you can't see us. I mean, you can see us, but there's no, you don't know which one's me or if they're even us or I'm part of it. <clears throat> and looking at that photograph, I thought, wait a minute. It's not of uh, a story about uh, 100 Hell's Angels on the way to a Hell's Angels funeral. That's these two guys riding across John Ford's West. Now, what are they, where are they going? Oh, they're going east. Oh, yeah, great. That's a journey to the east. That's a little nod to Herman Hesse. 
And, uh, and I kept writing. And I, I thought of the ending first after I got going with the characters. And then I backed it up, the story, until I got to uh, how we all get, got on this trip and we know how it ends. And uh, when I got the story down pretty well, I, you know, I made notes and did some drawings and I called Hopper. That was 4.30 in the morning in Toronto, and it was 1.30 in the morning uh, in Los Angeles. So I woke him up, but I didn't care. I said, listen to this. <laughs> I told him the story. Yeah. He said, that's incredible. I said, yeah, well, uh, we'll you'll direct it. I'll produce it. We'll both act in it, and we could save some money that way. That was my initial thought, uh, that it would be a really commercial hit. Uh, I didn't think of it as a, um, a cultural statement but that's eventually what it became you know it was a cultural statement and it was a different way from making movies than it had ever been done in hollywood absolutely it was groundbreaking in, in a number of ways uh cinematography the flash forward sequences the use of popular rock music in the soundtrack right. and and of, and of course it's realistic portrayal of drug use you know the, yeah, the infamous campfire it, it, scene i except for when i uh look at jack nicholson as george hansen uh, when I look at him, I've got a, a rolled joint, and I said, here, try this. And he says, no, no, I got some store-bought right here in my pocket. <laughs> I said, no, man, this is grass. And Jack looks at me and says, you, you, you mean marijuana? <laughs> so I, have enough, I have enough trouble with the booze here. I don't need to get hooked. I said, you won't get hooked. He says, you, you say I won't get hooked? And, cuts to me and I don't see a thing. <laughs> I light up the joint for him and he goes, well, it tastes pretty good. And I said, no, you got to hold it in your lungs a little longer, George. And then we go on with the scene. And at the end of the scene, uh, the way you shoot a movie is you shoot one side of the scene first. After you do a master, you shoot one side. So you light that side. Then when you've done that side, you go back and, uh, and light the, the other side and, and do the reverse shots, you know, um, so every time we change the camera angle from the master to a loose two of me and Jack to a, a tighter two of me and Jack, uh, me doing the whole thing, passing Jack the joint. And then um, Jack, by the way, with Harry Dean Stanton, was pumping pounds out the back door so they could pay the rent into <laughs> Laurel Canyon. <laughs> so, I mean, here I am doing this. I, I like Jack very much. and I, You know, I still love Jack. But... Um, he was so good, uh, and and he got so stoned on real pot. And there were two policemen that were on the set, two sheriffs and our deputies. And you know, I knew they'd never smelled marijuana. It was you know, no one around there had really. So I said, "What do you guys call this? A green leafy substance resembling oregano?" Then <laughs> 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 that's the legal term in those days. And so I say, hey, "Props, I, I, I need one of those." We really didn't have a prop man, <laughs> but you know somebody <laughs> came over and and I, I was doing these you know one paper rolls. I thought it was pretty good on film, and I got Jack so totally ripped on this really good pot <laughs> that I'd gotten from David Crosby, and, you know, <laughs> and he got to autopilot. So as we're shooting the the master. Uh, then the loose two shot of me and Jack, then tighter shot of me and Jack, then uh, tight on our, our loose on me single, then tighter on me, then even tighter on me. And then we turned the camera around. We never did Jack's side yet. 
right? Jack's piece. Turn the camera around, and there's Hopper working on the motorcycles. He talks about the flying saucers and everything. And all the time, off camera, I would fire up the joint and give it to Jack. And he's on autopilot by this time, right? It's been more than 23 seconds, and it's also been more than one joint. <laughs> so he got really ripped. When we came back and did his single, he was out of his gourd. But he'd been studying very hard. So he was rocking the scene until he came to one sign, one line. Um, it was meeting people from all walks of life. <laughs> and it just stumbled him. A perfect stoner moment, and he, he laughed. And Hopper said, okay, that's great, man. We'll do a print and a pickup. This means we print what we've shot up to that moment, and we start the scene over again where, just where it went bad, you know, where there was a, a problem. And Jack was pleading with Dennis to you know, let him do it from the top. And Hopper knew that he was a rep. He said, no, no, you're fine, you're great. Just let, here, go, go ahead. And Hopper rolled the camera before Jack had a chance. So Jack, in character, well, 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 uh, uh, where, where was I? He's, he's asking the script clerk. <laughs> and she said, oh, meeting people from all walks of life. Uh, and he starts it over again. So in the cut scene, he is getting stoned. First time in, uh, for his character, right? And he does his whole speech about the Venusians coming down and all this stuff. And he gets that moment when he laughs and it's a perfect stoner moment when you kind of are telling you, telling someone a story and you get slung off to some other place. You lost the story you were telling. And the way we cut it then, it was, it was a perfect stoner moment. It's one of the most iconic uh, pot smoking scenes ever in, in film. And I already knew that you guys smoked a real joint in that scene, but I'm guessing you guys probably smoked uh, some off camera too. Um, you know what? We didn't smoke as much as everybody thinks because we had a lot of riding shots and, yeah. you know, we had to do stuff at 25 miles an hour and on my motorcycle trying to control that at 20 miles, 25, because you have to see the background. It can't be just a blur. So we had to yeah. be slow. And, um, so we didn't, you know, we weren't puffing that much. Of course I was 28, so I really didn't, you know, <laughs> it wasn't affecting me as if it worked today. But, but now switching to today, uh, the, the boundaries, the movie that uh, we're out promoting right now, uh, Chris Plummer has been friend, a friend of mine since I was 18. He was in a film with my dad. And he's 10 years older than I. And this scene, have you, have you seen the movie? Yeah, I, I've seen it. it. I've seen it. Cool. Well, in this scene... Um, there's Chris Plummer. In my mind, Christopher Plummer is the finest Shakespearean actor in all the Americas. On stage and screen, just the best. I've seen you know, his performances, and they're, they're just outrageously good. So here we are, so many years later, doing this scene, and there's Christopher coming along, and he's got the, the pot, and he's doing his deliveries and making his money. And that beautiful Rolls-Royce, I thought it was hysterical. It was a great choice on, on Sheena, the director's part. And she was very good, by the way, and she'd written a very fine script. So, but it, my overview is, as I was watching it, this, we got into the show, and then you know, I started watching the whole thing go, go down with me and Christopher, and I thought, this is so far out. The finest Shakespearean actor in the Americas is dealing pot to Easy Rider. <laughs> 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 I, I couldn't help, but... Uh, 
put that together. See, this is so unique. <laughs> Nobody else will know that, but I knew it. <laughs> and I yeah. really had a fun time doing that. You know, it was down at one point they, why they didn't use the shot probably because there was so much smoke with that vape pipe. Uh, I mean, we just, it was hysterical. And when you first see me meet uh, Chris and we just throw our arms around each other, it, there's such uh, a truthfulness of our relationship because I'd known him for so many years. And we used that and it really worked well. I had a fun time doing it. I yeah, wish I could uh, have also p- appeared with Christopher Lloyd, who was hysterical. Oh, yeah, yeah, Christopher Lloyd was great. Um, so for those who, who uh, are interested, the movie is, uh, uh, of course, Christopher Plummer, Academy Award winner, is the lead. Who is reconnecting with his uh, estranged daughter and grandson during a road trip while secretly selling off his stash to uh, a bunch of colorful characters <laughs> along the way. You play one of those colorful characters, Joey Carlisle, who is himself uh, an old, not only an old friend of Plummer's character, but a wealthy retired weed dealer or grower, I guess we're, we're left to no, assume. No, I was an actor. Um, I was an actor. Oh, you were an actor. I, I thought you were supposed yeah, to I was be a playing very, a former... I was a very successful actor. We just don't see the scene where, I, although we shot it, where I, I tell him, you know, I used to die in gunfights. Now it's uh, heart destruction. And so if I see one smug-nosed little snot who asks me, are you going to heaven, Grandpa? I'm going to slam him in the face. <laughs> so, anyway, the, there was more exposit or explanatory about uh, the character, but it's, it's okay. It works just fine. Uh, I and we had to find him now. Vera Farmiga is a really good actor. She's, um, you know, also a trained stage actor. And at the one moment, at, we'd shot all these the stuffs, and, and it was all hanging very well. But Shannon said, "Okay, just." Take it anywhere you want to now. So we're throwing up against the wall with those gunmen that come in, you know. Uh, they're asking, where's the weed? Where's the money? And with their funny voices, their altered voices, where's the weed? Where's the money? And funny, I said, how would I know? I'm still out of my brain. <laughs> you know, and Vera started laughing behind camera. She was off camera. She just started laughing. It was a lot of fun. And... I guess the best payoff for me and Shana up in San Francisco recently where we uh, screened it was hearing the audience just laughing. And it's a a great thing. You never know whether it's going to make it or not in any given movie. But when you hear the audience react, you can tell. That was true for Easy Rider. The same thing is true for Boundaries. Uh, It's a lot of fun. And it was my favorite scene. In Which the film, one? for sure. With oh, him, my scene uh, with reminiscing and smoking. I don't suppose you guys actually smoked really smoked real weed in that scene, did you? Like you did in Easy Rider or no? No. <laughs> we we didn't. Uh, <laughs> we had a long shoot that day, you know. We sure. start in the afternoon and go into uh, night. And, you know, now when people ask me about smoking pot, and this was true many years ago, I said, well, yeah, when I'm about to go to bed, but you know what? If I'm working during the day, this is how much much work I'd get done. And I hold my fingers up, and they're touching. There's absolutely no space between them. In other words, nothing happens <laughs> that we can actually print. But, you know, and when I was 28, it was a whole whole different scene. You know, it was my capabilities, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, so many artists and musicians uh, credit cannabis as being a source of like creative inspiration for them. Have you, you you haven't found that to be the case for you, or maybe just when you were younger? 
Oh, no. On the contrary, when I was uh, writing the story for Easy Rider and getting it all together and making my notes, and I was stone out of my gourd. <laughs> I had a couple of doobies and I think a couple of bottles of Heineken. So yeah. I was feeling no pain, <laughs> and the story just flowed out of me. Yeah. But uh, I'm quite a bit older than now, and it's no problem. I think I'm 50 years older. Yeah. And uh, it's it's no problem. But not if I'm trying to finish a scene that's, you know, we've got to do in tight quarters. The house we were shooting at was a very difficult shoot house, but it had the look that uh, Shannon wanted. And I yeah. don't think it would have been fair to Christopher to just start passing it real uh, by <laughs> to him. But, yeah. And nevertheless, you know, by the, this time, the audience isn't wondering, did I really smoke pot? They figure, yeah, <laughs> but I don't have to because they think, yeah, of course he did. I mean, there were yeah. times uh, in the old, back in the days when I would uh, hear, oh man, you know, you're just out there saying that because I lived on this 82 foot sailboat. You're out there sailing around stoned out of your head. You know, and I would go uh, 15 to 30 days between landfall sailing, a large uh, boat just because I wanted to, we weren't had, we had no other purpose than sailing. Uh, and you, you just don't pull over and park at night. You know what I mean? There's no way you, <laughs> at, yeah. at that many fathoms below you. There's no way you, you don't have enough chain in the world to put an anchor down. So of course not. We weren't sailing around out of our cords. Um, I was a celestial navigator and you can't do that ripped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just it. But, you know, the, there is the thing that the public's persona and, and, and idea of an attitude about me was that I must be out there stoned out of my mind. Well, I was stoned, but I was stoned <laughs> on the sailing. You know, I yeah. was really stoned on the sailing of it all. It was that was heavy for me. And it still wow. is. But um, I am not out of control, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, I'm very happy for these I would... uh, new things that are coming around like um the CBD oil and uh, the tinctures and everything like that. It's the edibles. It, it's very mellow. Uh, although I, I must say, I saw attorney general Jeff Sessions gleefully say how he's going to rip babies from people's arms and how he's con- uh, going to come af- after all the pot smokers. You know, I think it far out. <laughs> you think you can? We'll see. Yeah. Mr. I Pope think it's a, little, Trump, it's a little, we'll late, see. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, we need to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, but don't go away because we'll be right back with more from Peter Fonda here on Blazin. You're listening to Blazin with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. 
Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Blazing with Bobby Black. And we are back. Once again, my guest today is the legendary Peter Fonda. Going back for a second to the old days, uh, you know, obviously marijuana use has been a, a part of your films, but also psychedelic use, uh, whether it be an Easy Rider or The Trip. You've not only portrayed psychedelic use on film, but it's known that you've uh, actually partaken uh, back in the day uh, as well. And matter of fact, I remember reading somewhere that you actually tripped out with the Beatles. Is that true? What oh, was absolutely. That, like? that was very true. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, uh, everything was going along pretty smoothly if you if you can think of it that way. And Derek Taylor, as a joke, told me, well, you know, the press is going to come over here in about 20 minutes. We're going to do a photograph of you guys all together. And I thought, the press? I ripped off my clothes. Whilst taking my clothes off, I was hyperventilating. So I jumped in the pool and went down to the bottom, held onto the grate at the drain, at the bottom drain. And I know this. I can hold my breath for two minutes, or more than that. But if I'm just down there not moving any muscles, really, I'm not burning the oxygen. And every now and then I would turn my head up and look up, and I couldn't really see. It's not like looking through glass. It's a different perspective. But I could see figures bending over the pool looking. And I know they, there was the guys looking at me, wondering if I was trying to commit suicide. <laughs> but, you know, I came up, I got dressed and everything. <laughs> and David Crosby once again brought the goods. And, uh, and they were goods too. Um, <laughs> and Crosby came up to me and he said, listen, Fondle, that's his nickname for me was Fondle. He said, listen, Fondle, you got to go down and talk to George. He's freaking out. I said, what? You know, he's, he, he thinks he's dying. And I said, David, that's what this drug does. It, you, you know, your brain doesn't control you. You let it go. That's just, uh, and, um, Cross said, listen, Fondle, he doesn't know that. You've got to go down and talk to him. I thought, why am I being tagged for this? Because I'm the oldest one there. Is that it? What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So I went down, and George, he he was freaking out. He and John were sitting at this table, and uh, we were outside. And the the hills around us were covered with teenagers who were screaming their heads off. 
And so in the middle of that, in the middle of that, I said to George, you know, don't worry, George, I know what it's like to be dead. And it's not, not a problem. And he looked at me and said, yeah, I, I died three times. I've died. And, you know, my heart stopped. I lost too much blood. And then I explained that I had the shooting accident. It wasn't a suicide attempt or anything else. It was just a dumb kids uh, thing. And I said, but don't worry, George. I mean, I know what it's like to be dead. I've been there. It's very calm. There's no problem. And so this drug is trying to let, you know, let you go from your, your brain holding on. So just let it go. And, you know, Lennon's looking at me. He said, who, man, who put all that shit in your head, man? You know, you're making me feel like I've never been born. <laughs> so the next, the next album I'm out was Revolver. <laughs> there we have, she said. I don't know what it's like to be dead. I thought, far out. <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm, I'm a part of the Beatles legacy. This is very interesting. You are well, nobody will ever cover that, you know. It's just not one yeah. of those so- songs that people would cover. And I was shooting a film down in Charleston in 98. And I was driving around in my little car and had the radio on. And there's this group that came on called Government Mule. And this yeah. album, Dose. And Government Mule covered She Said, She Said. It was just hysterical and wonderful. I've, I've been a very fortunate man. I've worked with great people. I, I've been involved with the music scene from the get-go, and uh, today I still have all those friends. Rockers, actors, uh, writers, you know, directors, n- novel writers, and so forth. And getting to know some of those great talents, uh, I've always kind of thought it, it, if only some of it would rub off on me. I play <laughs> guitar. I play guitar, but I, I'm left-handed, so I take this right-handed guitar, because I didn't know anything else, and I pull it up the over. When I was first learning guitar, I was all by myself, and I'm left-handed, so I picked it up the way I picked up ukulele. That was the first string instrument I played, was ukulele, and I was taught by these Hawaiians, who kept trying to make me reverse my hold, but it's just not the way it works, you know. Um, my left hand is the picking thing. So... Uh, I used to take guitars. I'd buy them. I, I went to, I'd fly back east and go to the Guild factory. Crosby and I were big Guild fans. And I'd go through about two dozen guitars just playing them until I found, you know, yeah, that's the good one. I'd buy it. And because it was the factory, I had to actually go down the street a little bit to an, a music shop where they had the guitar delivered to me and I could buy it, you know, because they didn't have a license to sell their, their goods. They could, you know, deliver them to be sold by retailers. And I would take those guitars, I mean, store four of them in, in my career, four or five, and go to a recording session with friends and just sit, uh, stick the guitar neck and, and against the big speakers. Yeah. Whilst we were doing the rehearsals and all that stuff, those speakers were blasting. So that guitar was getting all this vibration going through it, if you can feature what I'm talking about. And yeah. in other words... It was playing it for me. So when I finally finished and I would get down and start playing the guitar, it had a much deeper and mellower sound. It was like pre-aging stuff that we didn't have in those days. That was just my way of doing it. So today I still uh, play and I sing and I, and I love it. And yeah, I, I was doing it stoned out of my head. But <laughs> if I try that now, maybe I get three songs and I'd wonder, where, where am I in this song? <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> what is the next word? Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate in my life to have been able to be a performer, uh, to be a musician, to write, uh, and just tell stories. And it's been, it's been a great thing. And I think it'll continue. Uh, after I did Boundaries, two films after that, I did a, a film called The Last Full Measure. True story about a Medal of Honor uh, winner. Uh, and his father, this guy was Bill Pitsenbarger. And his father, Frank Pitsenbarger, because Bill's dead, uh, he's accepting the medal on behalf of his son. And it was Christopher. <laughs> so I, I didn't know that. It was, it was me, Sam Jackson, Max, Max Gale, Bill Hurt, Amy Madigan. You know, so some really fine actors in there. I love Sam uh, Jackson. He's such a cool dude. Uh, and I came up to Christopher, and you know, we embraced. And I said, Christopher, we have to keep on meeting like this because this means we're always working. Uh, that was great to have two films with Christopher. And it was really slick and boundaries to get to meet and know a bit about Vera Farmiga, who's a remarkable woman. She's quite an actor, but and a remarkable woman. And, and as is Shannon, the director who wrote the screenplay, you know, and her her team, they were really good. It was fun working for the camera, and um, helping the camera make it work. It was it was a lot of fun. So can you imagine that at my age to go to work and have a lot of fun and know that. <laughs> Man, you don't have to retire. There's no retirement age on acting. Yeah, you can, you can, you can do it. Look, Colin Eastwood is still directing, and and his late eighties. Yeah, and so there's endless possibilities. So one of my goals is to die with all my own teeth in my head, and at my age, I'm doing pretty good. I probably (laughs) will make it. I'll probably hit hit that bucket list. But the next is uh, I, I want to be like working a film and we, we hear, okay, that's a cut. That's a wrap on this day. And that's a wrap on the picture. But <laughs> everyone looks over and what the fuck happened to Fonda? <laughs> you know, I just drop, I die or on stage, you know, there we are. We're ready to take the curtain call. The curtain's going up. I drop and cast looks back. Oh, yikes. He's dead. So what I'm saying is, it's like dying in the saddle. Right on. Well, you know what? Like uh, Speaking of bucket lists, um, like you, I've been fortunate enough to get to know and get high with uh, so many great uh, people and the uh, figures in the music world, in the cannabis yeah. world. Uh, yeah. And uh, I got to say that uh, of all the you know pot celebrities and people I've, got, I've smoked weed with, you're still at the top of my bucket list. And I hope that someday <laughs> I'll have the opportunity to to meet you and blaze with you in person, Peter, because uh, that would be uh, that would be real special to me. Bobby, it sounds like an excellent idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to let me know when you're doing some uh, in in person appearances, and I'll come on out. You bet. That's a good idea, Bobby. It's been <sighs> fun talking with you. <laughs> yeah, fun talking with you too, and I, I hope we get the opportunity again sometime. Uh, I, I just want to say, uh, uh, Peter, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Uh, Boundaries opens in theaters nationwide on June 22nd. Once again, Peter Fonda, thank you so much. My pleasure, Bobby. Thank you. All right. Well, you can find more info about the film Boundaries as well as links to its trailer and other clips on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash blazing with Bobby Black. <laughs> 
Don't forget to follow me on social media, Twitter at Bobby Black, Facebook and Instagram at Bobby Black 420. That's going to wrap it up for our special 50th edition of Blazin. Thanks for once again tuning in and toking up with us. Until next time, this is Bobby Black saying, keep on blazing. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.